You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. So, as, as most of you know, I started a series last time on the attributes of God. And um, we, we went through a bit of an intro and the love of God. So today we're going to look at the immobility of God, what is the unchangeable nature of God, that God is unchanging. Immutability, sorry. I literally said that about a hundred times this morning and as soon as I got up here it's gone wrong. So um, that's all right. So as I've been preparing this series, I've, I've come to realise that this series is going to be really challenging for me to prepare and, not, and to teach as well, what's awesome, what's going to grow me as well, but... Also realising that there's not enough time in this lifetime to fully understand the character and the nature of God, as we're limited to our human nature, and that more is going to be revealed about his glory when we finally get to um, get to heaven. So as we go through this series, the, the main point of this series is um, to understand, get more of an understanding of God. So, sorry, just lost some of my dot points. <laughs> So this series, I would like to ask you a question before we lay off. Can I ask you, how do you view God in your life? Do you exalt him to the highest spot in your life? Or is he someone that you know a little about? Or are you somewhere in the middle? Just think about this last statement. Because you see, the higher our opinion and the view of him will directly affect our understanding and our relationship with God. So the higher the understanding we have and the higher our relationship in, with God is, in turn will drive us to live a holier aspect and to a view of God will be right up the top, giving us a greater understanding, not only that, but a deeper relationship and bringing us to a place of more Christ-like centred worship, a place where we can fully acknowledge God wholeheartedly. So to live godly, we need to know God and his character, not in a summary knowledge of him, but a deep and meaningful relationship with him, what in turn will help us to understand his nature. So hopefully as we go in this series, we'll understand more about God's character that will drive us to a more in-depth and more meaningful relationship with him, bringing us to a place of more Christ-like worship and an understanding of him. Our concept of who God is will limit or allow us to worship him on a deeper level. You can't worship something that you don't understand or have a limited knowledge about. But the point is not to understand God fully, but it's to know, be known by his great love and, part of, and be part of his love in a deepful and meaning relationship with him. As most of you might remember, last time we looked at God's love and there is a key statement that I made that rings true to all the characteristics of God. And that is you can't take one characteristic and put it higher than the other. You can't say God is a God of love, so that cancels out that he's a just and fair God. So as we look look at God's unchanging nature this week, to understand God's character, we need, need a firm footing that God's character is his character. We can't select the characteristics that we like and we can't cancel out the characteristics that we don't. If we do that, we create an idea of God we're not serving the one true God, but we are serving the idea of God and changing, and changing the characteristics of who we want him to be 
in turn, we're not serving who he really is. To fully serve God and understand him, we need to take into account that God is every single one of his characteristics. It is who he is. We can't have one and not the other. You can't mix and match who we want him to be. For example, this next, I'm going to set an example here that might get me into a bit of trouble, mainly because it's about my married life. So we'll see how we go here. Um, as most of you are aware, when you get married, you fully love, love a person. And as you move on in that marriage life, that doesn't change, hopefully. God-centered one, hopefully it doesn't change. But you do pick up these little annoying things about your spouse that you wish might not be there. For example, my wife, with how amazing and beautiful she is, she has one of these that used to drive me up the wall. But the worst part is it runs from her grandma, through her mum, through her sisters, and all the way to her. It is deeply set in who she is. So I've, I've named this, uh, this fault to the mm-hmm language. I'm not sure whether you've heard this, but I'm sure you have, but it drives me up the wall when people answer you with mm-hmm. How is that a way to communicate with someone? I just don't get it. Now, Sarah, Sarah and her family are unique in this. They've basically invented a new language just using mm-hmm and different ways to pronounce it. It's amazing. It really is. The way they, they communicate, always have a whole conversation with just mm-hmm or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's something to watch. But yet, it drives me up the wall. <laughs> um, it's something that, that they've always done. And over her life, it's just become a normal part and it's actually become who she is as well and how she communicates with her parents and her sisters and her grandma. Um, so it's part of her. So for me, because it's a problem, if I left that unchecked as a problem in our marriage, it could build a place in me where I'm not fully loving her the best that I can. It could come a place of resent. If I'm trying to change Sarah because that drives me up the wall and I'm trying to change her who I think she should be and the image of who she is, she no longer becomes who she is. Um, so it's a problem that I have, not Sarah. So it's a part of laying that down that might annoy me and something that I don't agree with. It's an actual way to talk to people. Um, and to be able to fully love her with all that I am and to God's purpose and plan as a husband, I need to accept that's part of her. If I didn't, uh, trying to change her opinion... Yeah, I've covered that. Sorry, I'm jumping in front of myself. So, I'm not fully loving her if I'm trying to change her. Trying to change someone to an image of something that you think would be better fit, but for me, that's not my role as a husband. I've got to accept it, who she is, and the way she talks. Please understand, I love my wife, and this is not a massive problem. I'm just using this as a demonstration, and hopefully this will help you understand what I'm saying. We can't fully worship God to the fullest. We don't accept who he is and every part of him. Every characteristic makes up who God is and it can't be separated. We need to accept all God's attributes because he is the same today, tomorrow and the next day. God's characteristics never change. He never picks up new ones. He's, all the same. He's always the same. God is the same God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's not changing. God has never changed or, or will he ever change. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So if we look at James 1.17, just to start off, 
what says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the fathers of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every part art, and every character of God will never change and always be part of him. So if we choose to worship or allow ourselves to cancel out an attribute with another one, who are we truly serving? God? Or are we serving an image of what, that we've created of God? God is perfect from, start, from the start, and since he is unchanging, what gives us the right to, wor- to worship part of him and not all of him? My example before, I can't change Sarah's mm language, no matter how much I think life would be, be better without it. To be able to love Sarah to the fullest, I need to accept that this is part of it, the way she speaks. Like with God, if we're not accepting to all his character and who he is, can we truly say we're serving him and loving him with all our heart? Like with my example before with Sarah, doesn't have Sarah doesn't have the problem. I had the problem. It was an initial response on behalf that I needed to change. For something that can cause an issue with loving someone or making the decision to love them, for whom they are and to accept everything comes from that same comes from the same with the character of God. We can't have one without the other. So something has to change. If we find ourselves not agreeing with some of God's character and the beginning and that God is perfect in every way, it's definitely something we need to change personally. Like Sarah's mm-hmm language, I need to accept that's part of her and her family and being in a place of full acceptance and a place of where I love her to the fullest. Like in this way, when you love all of something, you start to pick up from one another. And being that I play, that place, as much as I hate it, I've even started to pick up the mm-hmm language. <laughs> on the rare, on rare occasion where it does come out, don't get me wrong, I want to cut my tongue out every time I do it, but, um, that's starting to rub off on me. Um, in the same way, when we fully accept who God is and all He is, he puts us into a place of being not at, not only to love and worship him to the fullest, but he puts us in a place where God's character starts to shine through us, ultimately glorifying Christ and through the way we are. So first key, to place God above all in our lives, to understand his character, is that his character never changes. And if we have a problem with that, then there's something inside us that we need to sort out between us and God, not the other way around. So saying all that, what does God's unchangeable character mean for us? So let's go to Exodus 3, 13 to 17. Most of you know this, this pretty well. This is Moses in the burning bush. So we'll um, pick it up from verse 13. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, What is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am the has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I've observed you and what what has been done to you in Egypt. We might just leave it there. So in this we see God answering Moses' question. He asked God, what should I tell, who should I say Israel who you are? 
And he answers firstly, tell him, I am who I am. What is the meaning of the passage? God is telling Moses that he'll be with Israel through it all. But right at the end of verse 15, we see God answer Moses' question. He says, tell Israel, I am Lord. If we could just get that verse 15 back up, Adriana, as well. Uh, so, what, what can we notice about I am Lord in this scripture? The Lord, sorry. It's all in capitals. And thanks to John. Um, and when, when you see Lord written in capitals like this, some of you might remember what John explained to us probably a few weeks ago. Um, if you don't, I'll give a quick explanation, but if you want more detail, see John afterwards, because it's, it's great knowledge and it's actually really helped me as well. When you see the Lord written in capitals... It's a direct meaning to Yahweh. So they actually mean Yahweh. So God has revealed to Moses that his name is Yahweh, and through that he's revealed some of his character. Yahweh has a few direct definitions to God's character. And they are God is self-existent, not dependent on anything. God is the creator and sustainer. God is eternal. But today I want to focus that God is unchangeable. It's also another meaning. That God isn't unchangeable in the in being and character, and through and th- through this is not in the process of being something different from what He is. Yeah. Um, so Yahweh um, directs the character. What is God is self-existent and not dependent. God is creator and sustainer. God is eternal, and God is unchangeable. So that's what I want to focus on today. And. The many, God is unchangeable in his being and character. And through this, is not in the process of becoming something different from what he is. So the unchangeable, so if God is unchangeable, what does that mean? With God being um, unchangeable, this means that the way he treats us day in, day out is the same. So Hebrews 13, 5, 8. Says, keep your life free from love and money, and be content with what you have. For he, he he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can mere man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their ways in life, and imitate the faith of Jesus Christ in the same who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So first of all, we see in verse 5, we see that I am who I say I am again in this verse. When we see the author quote Christ with, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is what it's saying. I am with you already. There is already a direct connection between that God is unchangeable between the Old Testament and the New Testament, just with those two, from Moses to now. But the main part of this verse I want to pick up is verse 8, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is never changing. But some of you might be saying, hang on, we're talking about Jesus here. Um, and we're talking about the characteristics of God. How can you vindicate the scripture that God is never changing through Christ? Well, I'm sure a lot of you already know, but just quickly to, to answer that. Um, you can't remo- if you can't remove any characteristics from God, as we learned before, and if Christ is God and part of God, and Christ has the same character as does the Holy Spirit to the Father. They are all God, but all separate beings. What is the Trinity, as we know? What well, basically all members of the Godhead have the same characteristics to each other, all as God, all is God and unchangeable. 
What brings me to my first point, if God is the same today, tomorrow and the future, what does that mean for our lives today? Well, firstly, God's plans for our lives are unchangeable. There is no plan B with God, there is only plan A. And if there is plan A, and there is only plan A, he has for your life, this can't be altered, it can't be changed by any human, or from your personal idea of what it should look like. The only thing that can be changed about God's plan is our heart. Once again, it's not God changing, but it's God changing our hearts to desire his plan for our lives. Once again, it's our, we have to change. Because the character of God is unchangeable, then we can't persuade God to change his plan. The only thing we can, we can do is get on board with plan A and serve God to the fullest that we can, worshipping him in full surrender of our lives. Or we are not living God's plan for our lives. We are doing our only thing once again. Who are we really serving? We need to trust in the plan that God has for our lives. As we can't change it, we just need to remember that God is I am, Christ I am, and he, is, he has a perfect plan for our lives. So Jeremiah 29, 11, 15. I'm sure all of you know this scripture really well. Um, what it is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then they will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations. I will pl- and all places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to a place from which I sent you into exile, because you have said the Lord has raised up the prophets for us in Babylon. So um, this, is Je- this is from Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in Jerusalem. At the time, when they read this, they must have been pretty encouraged. In the same way, we should be encouraged that God has a perfect plan for us for our lives. Not only, not only that we see the word Lord in capitals again, what means Yahweh, and what, it, what I said before is one of the characteristics of the word Yahweh is unchanging. What means the plan for your life is perfect and unchanging. And when we have, when we have submitted fully to him we know, and know him on a personal level, his plans for our lives will be aligned uh, with his. We become, it will become a plan we want to live out in our lives. We change, we change in God's plan, not God changes for us. Like me in the mm-hmm language and starting to say them, because mine and Sarah's hearts are aligned, it's something I've picked up on in the same way when our hearts are aligned with Christ, Christ, his plan becomes our plan. His unchangeable plan for our lives and the key, the key is the relationship with him and to be born again. Otherwise, we live out our versions of God's plan. It's not the version what brings, or not his version. What brings me to the next point. If God's plans are unchangeable for our lives, then the plan of salvation never changes as well. This is probably the most reassuring part, but also one of the most crucial that we need to be sure about. Once we have accepted Christ and the plan for Christ from the Father, it allows us to be born again. And once we are born again, we'll never lose our salvation. But this is why we need to be sure about it. Because if God is unchanging, if we are not born again, then we will face the just wrath that we deserve. There's only one side or the other. Because God's salvation plan never changes, we need to make sure that we are truly born again. If you're not entirely sure about being born again, or you're not entirely sure what it means, can I encourage you to go back to our podcast for the past three weeks of Ian's Past three sermons because they they are amazingly helpful and awesome about 
being born again and what it means to be born again. Also, talk to people and get prayer from people and, and check your heart. Make sure you're on the right side of God's salvation plan as there is no plan B, there's only plan A. There's only one way to guarantee this salvation and that is to be born again through Jesus Christ and all that he has, all that he did for us and, and his gospel. God is unchanging, unchanging plan for our salvation in our lives. Not only do we get in, great insight from his gospel about how we should live our life, but also we can see what, what our plan starts to look like from God in our lives. The plan of internal salvation will never change. We will learn more as we continue to go through John's Gospel, through Ian's series. But I'll read a few scriptures about God's salvation plan now, just to make the point. So John 5, 19 to 29. So Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that's that the Son does. Likewise, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he, he himself is doing. And greater work than those will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to him who he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes them who sent me has eternal life. He who does not comes into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you that an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who hear will live. And then John six thirty five to forty. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do you do not believe? All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out." For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that I should lose nothing at all, that he has given me, but raise up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. So as we can see from these two scriptures alone, God has a perfect salvation plan for us, and that plan will never change. And it is the same plan for me, the same for you, the same for everyone. The only difference is the state of the heart and the decision rests on you. There's only one way to be saved and that's through Christ and being born again. Where do you stand? Can I encourage you to check your heart and make sure that you are on the right side with God? Because as we read in those scriptures, there's only two sides. One of eternal life with Christ, the other of eternal wrath. And been separated from God. What brings me to the next one, if God's plans never change and God's salvation plans never change, God's word never changes. If we go to Hebrews eleven, six, thirteen to twenty. It says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I'll bless you, 
and multiply you. And thus, thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast and hope set before us. And Titus 1 too. In hope, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the age began. It's the age that's impossible for God to lie. And through this verse and many others, it is impossible for God to lie. That means his word is true. The word never changes. Our our lives never changes over our lives, what is reassuring, but also means that every verse we've read before about God's plan is true. We need to make sure we're on the right side. Um, So what is the word? John 1, 1 1-3. Ian did a pretty good preach on as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if you want want another good explanation, great preach on the Word, check out Ian's preach. Um, that will be on the podcast as well. Um, so if we go to, go to Hebrews 4, 11 to 13. says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the division of soul and spirit and joints, and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the build-up of that verse is talking about entering the rest of God and not to fall away. It is encouraging people to strive to the end and not falling away from what Christ has done. Because it is all that Christ has done for us and nothing that we can do. And the rest of this verse is a warning that we need to be transformed through what Christ has done because of the Word of God. It is active and living. The Word of God is nothing. Nothing can be hidden from God. And since God is unchanging, the Word will never change. And we need to make sure that we have been born again and allow Christ to do his work inside us. As our hearts are completely exposed before God. There's no hiding from the one and the word. We need to be changed from the word, from the inside out. We need to allow it to work in our lives. The word is life. It brings life. And we are changed by the word. As the word is God, and since God is unchangeable, God, we need to trust and believe everything that he says. Once again, we can't argue something out of the Bible because we don't agree with it. God's word is pure, perfect, sure, true, enduring, effective, sanctifying, harmonious, inspired, living and active, guiding. And if I keep going, we're going to be here till Christmas. Um, but, yeah, not far. Um, but, but I encourage you to look up the word and, and look into it. But the one thing from it never changes and it never will change. I've got a few more, but I'll, um, as I was writing, writing this, I realised that it's probably going to be a two-part preach on the unchangeableness of God. So we'll wrap it up there. So in conclusion, from what we looked at today, God is an unchangeable God. It is part of his attribute. What in turn is amazing for us because if he changed, 
how could we be saved? We'd be constantly battling uphill against a God that is constantly changing. Through God being unchangeable, this means his sovereign grace for us will never change over our lives. And through his word and Christ, we know where we stand with him. As we talked about, we need to allow ourselves to be changed by him and not us trying to change God because it's impossible. We see God, we see God as a never changing, no matter how much we beg. God is never changing, no matter how much we beg. And along with understanding the other characteristics of God, hopefully this will place us, be able to place us God in a higher view and a higher standing in our lives, bringing to a place of deeper love, relationship, and worshiping Him with the fullest of our lives, the fullest that we can. So hopefully this will encourage you to keep learning about God and to understand Him in a deeper way. As God is unchanging, we gain great assurance in this when we know where we stand. But if we don't know where we stand, if you don't know whether you're fully born again, can I encourage you again to really seek it out, really test your heart, see where you stand with God. Because as we read, it's either going to be eternal salvation with Christ or eternal wrath and away from God. So where do you stand? And I'll leave it there for today. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.